according and, to the uh, Wu Tang name generator, by the way, I'm B Dash Loved Dominator. <laughs> That's not a good one, dude. Like, is this the Beloved same one? Dominator. We were we were talking about if this was the same one that uh, Childish Gambino got his name from. It couldn't possibly be. Nah, dude. But if you made an album, it should be called. It should totally be called Immortal Beloved. Im- immortal. Come on, it. Be- Beethoven, really? You didn't get that? No, I didn't do it. No, I, like I'm not a classical dude. Oh yeah, there was a movie uh, about Beethoven, and it was. Uh, is based on his uh the person that he was infatuated with and the name oh. of him is Immortal Beloved. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it would have had a smarty art title there. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh what was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah, Childish Gambino. He apparently John Glover got his name from this. Uh but we were talking about that's kind of funny cuz like nobody really says, yeah, like we were saying, nobody really says notorious BIG. They usually say Biggie, right? And like and it's interesting is that, like, okay, so that's an acronym. What is that an acronym for? And, like, I don't know. I just never thought about it before because, like you said, no one really ever says, yo, I'm listening to Notorious B.I.G. If they do, they'll say, I'm listening to Notorious or something like that. They don't say Notorious B.I.G. And, and no one ever says Notorious Big. <laughs> you know? I saw um, a couple forums because I was looking in some forums and on Reddit. Uh, one person... Uh, said that he explained it in the lyrics to a song, but I'm not sure which song. Other people were saying it meant uh, business instead of game. And uh, I forget what the other ones were. But yeah, I don't know if there's like a definitive one out there, which I already know all the comments are going to be fucking calling us idiots and telling us exactly what it is, but we're not sure what it is at this exact moment. Yeah, dude, didn't you didn't you know? It's a... It's, uh... Belated intellectual genius or some shit. Yeah, right. Like, duh. It was on his first song on the uh, EP that he did before he signed to P. Diddy. You're not real hip hop uh, reviewers, you know. I got something for you. Very rarely do we do follow ups, right? Yeah. I listen to bad. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, so last week, if you weren't listening, we were ranking Michael Jackson albums, and you were mad that I would put Off the Wall ahead of Bad. Just between the albums Thriller, Bad, and Off the Wall. Mm-hmm. So, I listened to the album, I enjoyed it. I have a complaint, though. Okay, okay. He has got some really weird pronunciation on some of these songs. <laughs> and it takes me out of it, dude. Like, okay, so, I, I think I said in the last show that uh, the, the Way You Make Me Feel is like one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. I think it's great. I don't know why it needs to go on for five minutes, though. <laughs> yeah, it, when, like when it feels like it's over, and then you hear the don't, 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 don
right as it's fading out, all of a sudden the trumpets go crazy. They're like, like, why is this happening? Like when I can't hear it anymore. I hate that shit. It's like, yeah, like someone just like won a bet and they were like, fine, you could do it, but it's going to be during the fade out. (laughs) Um, so, um, a lot, a lot of these are really good. I really like just good friends. Oh, oh, and you were saying about his enunciation. So apparently, I, I don't know, my mom told me he, like, apparently, like, never uh, formally learned how to enunciate, like, in in songs and stuff. Oh. So, like, that kind of explains, like, a uh, smooth criminal, you know, it's just like, so he does certain stuff for effect, but the thing is, it ends up kind of messing up the way certain things sound. Like, for example, Annie, are you okay? So, Annie, are you okay? And it's just like, what? Annie, are you okay? What? <laughs> See, those aren't even the examples that I thought of. Oh, what were you thinking of? So, in bed, the way he sa- he says, um, true. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, it's really. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's me, it's really. <laughs> like, that sounds weird. And it's like, in context of, I've already heard Thriller, I've already, I've already heard Off the Wall. He wasn't doing any of this shit on either of those albums, so I'm wondering why he started now. But the main one I had a problem with, which is annoying mm. because I really liked this song, Another Part of Me. Okay. The fucking, um, I recognized it from the Moonwalker uh, video game, which for some reason it's in there. Hmm. Like, in with all the other big hits, which I never really thought of another part of me as a... It was like a big hit of his. At the time, it was, yeah. Okay, but I think I know what you're. I th- think you know what I'm going for here. The way he says "part" is just another part of me. Plata. Like, why is he doing that? <laughs> I started He's laughing, dude. The I was driving of home. What it means to be a word, man. <laughs> Plata. Oh god, dude. It's so annoying what when he does that shit. But no, for real. Uh. Bad's a good song, way you make me feel, Speed Demon. I was kind of on the fence about Liberian Girl. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, and you kind of, like, come to that conclusion with a lot of the songs on, like, Bad, like, Speed Demon. Doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but it sounds so cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I really wonder how they did that, that bass effect, because I don't know if someone can play that riff that fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blue, you, you think, like, you think they maybe like slowed it down and he played it and then they sped it up again? I'm wondering if that was done on like a keyboard and that was like a sample. Oh no, yeah, no, that was probably totally a sample. Actually, now that I think about it, the way it sounds. Yeah, but uh, overall, it was pretty good. Um, I would put it ahead of Off the Wall. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't put it ahead of Thriller though, but I don't think anyone expected me to do that. I got you. I got you. But you know, um, I, I got one. I got one. <laughs> <laughs> All I need is one. Dude, and I forgot how, how much I like Man in the Mirror. That's a good-ass song. Man in the Mirror is a really good song. One, I think that was the only one that wasn't written by, like, him or, like, his team. It was, like, written by, like, some random other person, which is why it doesn't sound like the rest of the album, if you really, if you really paying attention. Um, and yeah, it's Criminal Dirty like Day, really and I don't even need to stylized. talk about those. That one sounds really, like ripped down and simple, you know? Yeah, it sounds like, um... I don't, he has this weird 
select section of his catalog that are songs like that. Like, um... The, 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 the come, the let's all come together and hold hands, and I think that's kind of yeah. where it started, honestly. Yeah, like, it, it reminds me of Heal the World, it reminds me of, um... I know this wasn't his song, quote-unquote, but it really reminds me of, um... Oh, God. Why can't I think of that song? Um, We Are the World. Oh, he, he, he wrote that one. He wrote it? Okay. I think it was him and Stevie Wonder wrote that one. Ah, okay. Speaking of just yeah. good friends, so, was so that a why, hit? So, so that's why that was... That one wasn't a hit song! Oh my god, that I can't believe the, that. That was the only one that wasn't a hit single. Dude, that, I mean, I, I could see, because it's a bit... I don't know. It's a bit goofy, and I can kind of <laughs> see it not catching on. But I liked it. But the funny thing is, that was the only one that didn't chart... And it was like with like one of the biggest artists at the time. Like, why would you not make that a hit single? Yeah, but how can you have a song by Michael Jackson featuring Stevie Wonder, produced by Quincy Jones in 1987, and not chart? But even weirder, right after that album came out, was kind of mm. when Stevie Wonder's like career as like a hit maker started dying down. Huh? Like it's like Michael Jackson like took his career from him. <laughs> It was, and he knew, he knew that was coming. So he was like, maybe if I could do this album with Michael Jackson, it'll, it'll uh, rejuvenate my career. And then no, you look at his Wikipedia page and his discography is just year after year, hit after yeah. hit. Then it gets right? to 87, then 91, then 95, <laughs> then 2005, and that's like, it. I, I don't know what happened. He hit a fucking wall. Dude, hit the off the wall like, wall. <laughs> so it's gonna be like, you asshole, he got into a car accident and he didn't want to do any music after that or something like that. And I mean, the, the fucking 95, the 90, wait, the, yeah, 91, yeah, that, that was the fucking Jungle Fever soundtrack, even. So, oh, like, yeah. that wasn't even, like, an album of his was a soundtrack. Those are still good songs, though. Yeah? Yeah, the, when was the last time that they heard you say, mother? Brother, I love you. I mean, he does it better than me, but <laughs> I don't think we ever talked to. Huh? Me. Uh, is that from there? That might be from uh, cause it's used in that album, but they mm. also use uh, what's the name of the song? Living for the city. So it might have been kind of like a it, they just used like the song. You know what I mean? Like sometimes they use songs from other albums that he did in there. You know what I mean? Oh. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, let me see. These three words. Yeah, okay, as far as I'm saying, yeah, that's on that album. Yeah, dude, oh, that's okay. almost fucking legit. I don't, I don't think we've ever really talked about Spike Lee um, too much. Oh my god, we haven't? Jeez, I don't think dude. we've ever talked about Spike Lee on this podcast. There was a time where I was, like, the biggest Spike Lee fanatic. Because, you know, he was kind of the only black filmmaker for the longest time. <laughs> It was like him, John Singleton, and, uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, from, like, the late 80s to the early 90s, there was maybe, like, a handful of, like, black directors that were, like, really, like, making big headway. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, now, of course, there are other black directors, but no one would, like, hit movies that people were talking about, like, every year. And every year, he had, like, a hit, man. Like, uh, he had, let me see. 
Because he was pumping them out, like, quick, too. Like, yeah, he was, really was. Because there was, like, uh, oh, they don't do album... They don't do uh, uh, movie orders, like, album orders for... Uh, I hate that they don't do that. Dude, Wikipedia is all the time trying to fucking get donations, you know, to, uh, to, to keep the site up and running. If, if I knew that it would go towards putting movies in order from, like, in sequels. They don't even do sequels like that. <laughs> like, if, if, if you're looking at, like, I don't know, Homeward Bound, right? And you look at the little thing on the side, it doesn't have Homeward Bound chronology. You have to, like, look through the article for the sequel. It's like, why? That doesn't even yeah, make yeah. sense. You, you should okay. definitely have, like, Spike Lee filmography, and you have the little list. So, he did, uh, there was School Days, that one kind of was like right before he really blew up. Then it was Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, and Jungle Fever. And so that was like three in a row that were just like explosive, like 89, 90, and 91. And then 92 was Malcolm X. Dude was fucking yeah. busy. Dude, <laughs> and that was ooh, a long ass movie, too. <laughs> what's cool, like, I've never seen uh, She's Gotta Have It. Uh, something to, I, I hear frequently that you don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> See, what's funny was um, I was watching a video that was talking about, like, the production of School Days. Mm. And it was like, She's Gotta Have It made such headway and made, like, such a name uh, for Spike Lee that, like, they, they were basically like, anything you want to do, you can do it. Because, like, I'm looking at this. The, the budget was, uh, was $185,000. It made $7 million. Whoa. I didn't know that. In, in fucking 86, it made $7 million. Yeah. That's interesting because... It's a fucking $6 million dollar hear, return. As, as far as I hear, that's, like, his worst movie <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what I always hear. So I, I just never bothered watching it because I was just like, okay, I'm just not gonna. Because like, uh, watching School Days, School Days is a favorite of mine, but I realize where its faults are, and there are plenty. And then I'm just like, yeah, I don't like, I can't go backwards now to like the movie before. Like it's like with GTA. Like I played GTA Five. I can't play GTA Four again. You know? Oh yeah, I definitely feel you. In in a related thing when um. When I got into the uh, Coen Brothers, and I watched a shit ton of Coen Brothers movies, and then it was like, oh, I've never seen the first movie, Blood Simple. Yeah, Blood Simple, yeah. And then I went back and I watched it, and I was like, eh, this isn't a favorite. I like it, but I'm probably never going to watch it again. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's not like, that like, great. Like I said, yeah, you can't go back. <laughs> you really can't. <laughs> so, this motherfucker had, uh, uh... Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, Jungle Fever, and Malcolm X. This is four years in a row where he's had movies that were, like, hit movies that were, you know, social commentary and all this shit. Then he has Brooklyn in 94, and, like, that was okay. Then he had Clockers in 95. I don't remember people talking that much about that one. Then no. Girl Six, which was... Eh, Girl Six was atrocious. Uh, oh, I, I don't even remember anything about that one. Yeah, that was the one where it's about like a girl who's like a phone sex line operator and she gets like stalked by a guy, something like that. It's whenever Spike Lee tries to handle like women's problems in particular, it always feels like he kind of flounders at it. 
Uh, <laughs> like, I, I'll just put it to you like this. We could benefit from a, uh, from a more female black directors talking about female black problems. I, I'll just put it to you like that. Uh, so I'm looking at the poster for uh, Girl 6. You would not know it was like a serious thing. You see this poster? Uh, oh, yeah, no. Six is, is for sex, period. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that's stupid. So oh, shit. Was... The fucking soundtrack was all Prince? Yeah, and they got a random Quentin Tarantino cameo. Which is odd, because didn't he, like... Ma- yeah, maybe not yet. Her. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought he had know. a problem with uh, Tarantino because he kept throwing the N-word around in his movies. Yeah, I-, I don't know how that works. Like, they apparently hate each other, but you're in my movie, but we still hate each other. Like, what the fuck is going on? I, I, I'm, I'm gonna say that maybe by 20, but maybe by 20, uh, why do I keep wanting to say 20? By, uh, 96, uh, Tarantino really hadn't pissed him off that much yet, because I think by yeah. 96, um, he only had, like, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, maybe. maybe Jackie Brown, which mm. is, by the way, in, in, in my, uh, in my movies I haven't seen from, like, famous directors, still haven't seen Jackie Brown, and that's, like, the only one of his I haven't seen. Uh. Eh, to me, it's not that great. Like, it goes on way too freaking long with stupid shit. Like, I like the 110th Street song and how it starts it, but it's just like, all right, is there a plot? And then it like, it's like you got Jackie Brown, cool. And so is it gonna be like about black exploitation? And it's like eh, kind of, but it mostly takes place in like this really rich neighborhood, and so it's not doesn't really work that way. And it's just it doesn't really. I don't know. It's it's stupid. It it's really stupid. Uh, hmm. there's like one or two good parts, like the part with Chris Tucker and the drug dealing thing, but for the most part, it's just kind of like him doing too much of the dialogue thing, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. You know what's funny? Like, Quentin Tarantino has kind of won the, uh, culture war on that one, if you really look at it. Because, like, what was the last Spike Lee movie you really talked about? The last one I even really heard about was that, uh, the documentary about Katrina. Yeah, even though he's done like a movie every year, Chirac was cool. Um, the more and more I think about it, though, the more and more I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that guy part was kind of dumb. Oh, wait a minute, that part was kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, oh, he did I, a Cat I, Williams, yeah, like I'm just comedy this. thing. What, what is that about? And why does God, it have that's two odd. colons? Cat Williams, colon, priceless, colon, afterlife, like what? <laughs> Don't they usually have one colon thing? Yeah, that, that's that's weird. And uh, he did another was, one straight after that with another comedian, like he did them back to back. Huh. Yeah, he also directed uh, uh, The Kings of Comedy, which kind of like started, it kind of re-kick-started the uh, comedians in movies that play in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like that, that wasn't really like a thing for the longest time. Like, I think the last one was maybe like Eddie Murphy? Yeah, either Delirious or Raw. I forget which one came out second. Yeah, and then, uh, let me see. I know they uh, used to do, like, prior things, but yeah, I don't think they did the, that shit. The last, like, big Spike Lee movie was... People talk about Miracle at Santa Ana, but they specifically talk about it being bad. No. Uh, uh, oh, God, She Hate Me was fucking horrible. Horrible. Was that based uh, on the player from the um from the New York and New Jersey Hitmen, the the XFL team? 
with a guy who's named He Hate Me. Yeah, that was the name. That's what it's based off of. Okay, this is the. Oh. We might have talked about this before, actually. The plot of the movie is about this guy whose girlfriend turns out to be a lesbian and leaves him, right? Uh-huh. But she comes back to him because she's like, we want to get pregnant and you're the only person I trust. Like, oh. you know, that doesn't have any problems or anything like that. And so he has sex with her to get her pregnant. So his past girlfriend, who's now a lesbian, has his kids. It, it, wait, she's still having his kid. And then, like, the movie's like, uh, you know, she invites her other friends to be like, hey, yeah, let's uh, 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 let also our other lesbian friends who are really attractive have sex with them. And it's like, oh, it, I don't really see where the conflict is supposed to be in this movie. And, but, but then what happens is the, the women start getting less attractive. <laughs> and then, like, I watched, like, the DVD commentary, you know, just, <laughs> basically to be like, Spike Lee, fucking explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disposition. <laughs> and he, he go, and he's talking about the movie. Spike Lee, do you remember making this movie? Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so he's like talking about the movie, and then there's one part where uh, they're like looking at the guy's body, and so you know it's in front, it's in front of all these women, right? And they're like, and he's like, okay, she, uh, she's like, okay, take off your clothes. He takes off his clothes and he turned and they're like, turn to the right and turn to the left. And, you know, they're looking at his body, seeing if he's good stock. And, you know, he's explaining and he's just like, oh, well, you know, I, wa- I just want you guys to know this is a, in a, 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 this is an allusion to uh, slavery, you know, and how uh, black mm. people were kind of treated like that, like stock. And I was just like, um, what, why are you alluding to this? Why are you saying this? Like, do women treat us like chattel? That's not a thing. Like, what are you commenting on? You're just using this just because, like, like you know, uh, alluding to slavery is a big fucking deal, okay? And if you're going to do that, it should be, like, for a purpose. You're trying to put up, set up the commentary that this black person is uh, is being treated like less than human and how it's historical in our American history that you see that happening. But black women don't treat like guys like chattel at least not in a way that they have more power than men do so where the fuck is this illusion coming from like it didn't make any fucking sense as soon as you said you know checking him over making sure he's like like grade a material or whatever in my head i was like wow that that almost kind of sounds like like an auction block like when people used to buy slaves in no way did i think he ought to put that in the movie yeah, like, like it's just like th- th- because a, I'm sure that is not a prevalent thing, and I can't dog. imagine like it, I, I picture him just like writing the scene and just he thought that in his head, and then all of a sudden was like, there it is, that's the moral of the movie, and everyone's <laughs> like, what? I I thought this was just like a funny little like no 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 no, this <laughs> needs to be the, the thing. Is- this the, is the uh, head scratcher. This is the thing. Black piece. men like meat. <laughs> like what? <laughs> My question is: is like, is that a systemic problem? Like maybe, like I've never heard true. of that. Yeah, like it might be true that uh, some black women out there that are fucked up treat guys like meat, but that's not something that's held black men back in history. Right? You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, if they would just stop uh, sexualizing us and start taking us seriously, we could make some great strides. At- no, <laughs> that's never been a problem. <laughs> I, I, you know I feel I mean? like he's grabbing at straws. And at that point, he could have made a much st- 
stronger message if he would have been talking about women being sexualized because that is a thing. Yeah, exactly. You know what it would have been better? If he would have been treating them like that. Like, I'm not going to inseminate someone that I don't think is worthy of my genes. So I'm going to, you know, look at their bodies and be like, hmm, am I attracted to this? And have like a crew of guys that are going to be with me, you know, objectifying them. Like, that would have been a cool way to flip the message, right? Because like, yeah, that is a thing that, that we treat women like that. That is a systemic problem in our society. But it's like, guys don't really get objectified by women, at least not in a way that's like holding them back from, you know, doing what they want to do in life. You know what I mean? Hmm, Unless yeah. you're a model, like specifically, in that specific, like, worldview. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I had a similar phase when I was really, really into stuff and I just wanted to see a good bit of his films. So I started early on. I started with School Days, though. I didn't, uh, I didn't start with She's Gotta Have It because I never heard anyone back, say anything man. positive about it. <laughs> um, and I liked it enough. What I noticed about some, some of uh, his earlier films, I hate the way he ends them. Yes. Yes. The, the, the okay, ending of School this. Days, the ending <laughs> of... Of Jungle Fever annoyed me. Oh my god! Okay, okay. Where's just uh, no. One. We gotta, we gotta talk about this shit. Okay, school days. Fucking after all this shit. First of all, like halfway through, it becomes a musical. What the fuck is that about? Yeah. <laughs> either you start with that shit, or you know, do it the whole way through. Don't fucking sneak that in. Yeah, you don't just randomly interject. Uh, let's make a lighthearted song about good and bad hair and talk about how. You know, dark-skinned women are referred to as, uh, you know, ugly, and light-skinned women are uppity, and then it's like, and I get that, like, that's the whole thing, is he, you know, you can have a, a discussion about that, but, like, when you make it into a jaunty musical number, it, it kind of makes it feel like a joke. <laughs> like, there there are deep, systemic, you know, uh, and racial problems that are that are between light-skinned women and dark-skinned women women. Let's sing about it, dude, 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 like, no, this wasn't the moment to do that, dude. Before, before we get to the ending, there's one more thing I wanted to say about School Days. Uh. So, because he made this big smash with She's Gotta Have It, which I have no idea anything about, he got School Days, um, in this film, it, uh, there was a budget of 6.5 million, made 14, still did very well. Why this movie... Why did they need to film the music video for the butt <laughs> during during the filming of school days? <laughs> is it appropriate? Like I understand school days is as Wikipedia refers to a musical comedy drama. <laughs> but then you look at the music video for the butt by what is it? EU? Yeah, yeah. And it's like all these people wearing school days shirts and you got Spike Lee getting in there and it's like I don't does this fit? It feels like it's out of nowhere. You you, you wanna know why, dude? Because he had he had to have something that 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 moved the culture as well as made it think, you know? Ah, okay. You see, he was thinking smart, man. You, you okay. can't you can't just come in with deep philosophical messages. You have to you have to start him off. Because, you know, basically, he realized what music videos were. They were promotional material. That's basically what they are. 
Yeah. And so he used a lighthearted, stupid, silly number about butts. Dude, he saw it. He saw it coming before fucking uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot did. If you talk about butts, man, you're going to have a hit. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is true. This came out in 88. I think that beat Sir Mix-a-Lot by at least two years. Yeah, uh, his was like 92, actually. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Fucking Sir Mix-a-Lot was actually late to the party on that. <laughs> on the Fascinating. So, you know, like, that, that, that's, my, uh, that's my excuse for why that happened. Fair so, enough. So we I'll get allow to, it. Yeah. So, you, we get to uh, the ending of the movie, right? And it's just like, after all this, he's just like, yeah, how are we going to end this? You have this problem with this character, and this problem with this character, this person, uh, you know, uh, uh, what was that whole thing about, like, the guy with the part in his head? He was like, eh, my girlfriend, uh, Tisha Campbell, slept with Spike Lee. I hate her now, even though I set her up to sleep with him. I don't know what my character motivation was. <laughs> it was really stupid. I-, I think the point was to show that, like, abusive people treat people like, I don't know. I- it was weirdly contrived. Anyway, so you have all these things. You're just like, how are these people going to get out of these messes? And then... Uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character, right? He, uh, he, and he has flaws of his own, you know? Th- there was actually this whole, uh, thing. The one thing I like about Spike Lee movies is that it talks about, you know, stupid people who ain't woke yet, but it also talks about quote-unquote woke people themselves and how even they have their own hangups. Like, you know, she's like, are you dating me? Uh, his girlfriend's like, are you dating me just because? I'm darker skinned and you feel like I'm like still a status symbol at the end of the day. And it was like, wow, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Let's get into that. And then at the end of the day, he just runs through the campus and says, wake up. <laughs> and then everyone just wakes up out of bed and they just walk towards him and they're like, ah, we get it now. And then he just looks at the camera and just like, please wake up. They're like, what? This is a fucking PSA all of a sudden? What the fuck is happening? And then it just ends. It's like, wait. <laughs> that was one of the most pompous, presumptuous endings. It was like, you're really not even going to try to tie up any of those loose ends, are you? He's just like, we got somebody's got to do something about this. I mean, because I, I, I didn't have any answers. <laughs> Someone's got to wake him up. Yeah. So there's that movie. You know, we, we shit it on that. So then we got... <laughs> Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Which actually, that one had a good ending. Uh, that was the uh, the jarring ending that he did that I actually like appreciated. It it was one of those films where it's like, you know, after excuse me, all of this violence and all of this shit, and then it's just like, what the fuck do we do now? And then you get two quotes from uh, one from Malcolm X and one from Martin Luther King saying completely opposite things about what violence is, and. And then you have just the picture of them, like, you know, the one picture Malcolm and Martin have together where they're like, you know, uh, shaking hands and like, you know, happy and looking at the camera. And it's just like, what the fuck do we do? <laughs> like, one is just saying, like, violence is bad. And anytime you use it, it's horrible. And he makes a great case. Then Malcolm X is like, well, I, I mean, if you're using it to defend yourself, I would call violence intelligence because, like, you know, you're a fool to just get pushed around your whole life. And he doesn't give you an answer on whether or not which one is right or which one is wrong. He just goes like, dude, what the fuck do you think? And just ends in there. That's probably the best ending he's ever done. Like, ever, ever, ever. And then we got fucking Jungle Fever 
which is like <laughs> this whole issue, okay, about interracial dating, and it's just like boom, okay, you get you got this issue, and it and it takes two stories. And what I like about this movie is that you have, uh, and, and that's why I think it's really genius. You, there are actually two stories. One of them doesn't get, really get talked about as much. It's about the white guy. Uh, there's one about the minor story is like this white guy is dating this black woman, and they're actually interested in each other, and it shows how like their relationship gets torn apart because of like the racist fucking dad who uh, wait excuse me wait hold on no yeah yeah it's yeah. Step, but i think they end up staying together at the end don't they i think so yeah because they're like you know we legit love each other but then you have uh um uh wesley snipes's character who is married has a child and cheats on his wife with this person who happens to be white now the right, thing yeah. that i thought was going to be the message of the movie was that it's like, look, see, here's the here's how interrelate interracial relationships can work. You see the this white guy and this black girl, and they like each other because they like each other. They're fucking human beings. People are gonna like each other no matter what race created. Now, if you look over here at this relationship, this is fucked up. Not because she's of another, uh, not because she's of another race, but because he's already fucking married. That should be the big problem. You are married to someone. You cheated on her. It doesn't matter what her fucking race is. You're an asshole. But but the reason why he did that was partially because of his attraction to her based on race. You see, and I thought the movie was trying to do like, this is the dichotomy. There are people who are attracted to each other regardless of race. And then there are people who are attracted to each other like strictly because of it. And like the message could be like, hey, it's okay to date interracially as long as you're doing it because you actually love them and not because you have uh, an eroticization of their culture, right? Mm. And maybe that was what he was going for, but the ending of the movie made no goddamn sense. He's just like walking through. Uh, he's walking with his kid to the to, to go to to go to school, and you know he's separated from his wife now. And she's like, uh, uh, the girl's like, "Daddy, are you ever going to be together with mommy again?" He's like, "I don't know, Cindy. I don't know. I, I forgot her name. I just said Cindy. I, I don't know, Cindy. I don't know." And then like this crackhead comes up to her. And uh, comes up to him and he's just like, uh, and it's Halle Berry from earlier in the movie. He's just like, hey, I'll suck your dick for crack. And I get there's something happens where it turns out to be like his daughter. And he just grabs her and holds her close. And the camera zooms in from really far away. And he just goes, no. <laughs> and then it just fades out. And that was jungle fever. Like, what the fuck was that? What did that have to do with anything? <laughs> I think it's weird because Jungle Fever, I, I really, I remember really liking Jungle Fever. I remember not liking it as much as Do the Right Thing because I think in my opinion, Do the Right Thing was probably my favorite of his yeah, movies definitely. I've seen. But yeah, this this was also the movie where they also crammed in the uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, uh, character, character, character <laughs> is, is the crackhead. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's another plot there. It's like, do we need Gator this? loves crack. Sure we got a preloaded movie. <laughs> yeah, and his fucking father just like shoots him. Yeah, but he's better off dead. Way. Yeah, dude, that was fucked up too. It really but was, I, dude. Apparently, there was a thing where actually Samuel Jackson was like on crack, and he cleaned himself up. Oh like, wow! Right before he did this movie, so this was kind of like, like this was real life to me, you know? Wow. So, the silliness of his character comes from a reality for him. 
It feels so, like they should have split those movies in two. They could have been two different movies. Like two really you, good you're ones. Making, you're making a movie every year. <laughs> you could have made one more. <laughs> That's true. And, and and that ending with the, the, the crackhead thing, it could have been a joint movie thing. Like one movie is about uh, another aspect of this guy's life and another movie is about another aspect of this other guy's life who happens to be related to him. That would be cool to do like an in-universe. That, that could have been the first time someone like really did that. Like an in-universe uh, thing where it's just like, this movie's about this. And this other movie is tangentially related, but it's not directly related to what it's about. Mm. Wouldn't that be cool? Like you follow this guy who happens to be his brother going through a life about crack. And this guy is going through this interracial relationship problem. You could have uh, separated them, made two complete thought out movies. And maybe that ending with the no could have gotten the crackhead movie. Cause I don't know what the fuck it has to do with interracial dating. Like what, what was he saying? If you uh, cheat on your wife, your daughter is going to be a crackhead. Sorry. That's just the way it is. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I, I just rewatched that. As you were talking, and yet it's just as stupid as I remember it. I, I never saw Mo Betta Blues, and we skipped over that one. Did, how, how was the ending of that one? Oh, how did Mo Betta Blues end? All, all, uh, all I'm immediately remembering right now is that one fucking part where Spike Lee, with this shitty-ass acting, is going like, I won't sell it! I, I won't sell it! <laughs> what? <laughs> where, where, like, the fucking, um... So, uh, Denzel gives up, uh, he gives up, uh, playing, uh, trumpet, and he hands it to Spike Lee's character, and he's like, dude, just fucking sell it, I don't care, because something, he gets into a fight where his, uh, lip gets busted, and it busts the cleft that makes your lip able to, um, make vibrations, basically, and so, since he can't do that anymore, he's like, you know, I'm worthless to the world, like, I can't play music anymore, and... You know, this is like really deep moment because he's like, fucking his life is gone right now. And Spike Lee is going like, you know, the point that he's trying to say is like, I still believe in you as an artist. I'm not going to sell this instrument. But he's just, the way he says it is just like, I won't sell it, Bleak. I won't sell it. And it's like, dude, stop. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I was watching back. I have the sound off, obviously. But the, um, the racial stereotypes uh, scene in um, oh, Do, Do yeah. the Right Thing. Oh, that's my fucking favorite part, honestly. <laughs> that fucking zoom in on Spike's face, though. You should see how awkward, awkwardly, like, nervously blinking he is. Dude, Spike Lee is the most awkward fucking... He's horrible. He's a horrible actor. He ruins all of his own movies. God damn it. <laughs> Stop ruining your own movies, you dumbass. <laughs> Everyone else in this scene is great. Uh, the, 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 uh, the Korean shop owner, the cop, everyone's great. John Turturro, who I'm now realizing is in a shit ton of these fucking Spike Lee movies and Coen Brothers movies. There's a little crossover. Um, yeah. they're all great, but fucking Spike Lee just zooms in on his face and he's just like, ah, ah, ah. He's just doing that nervous blink. It's like, oh my God. Also, Samuel Jackson is in like every Quentin Tarantino movie and every Spike Lee movie. How does that work? In effect, what was that? Um, that one movie. Oh, not Summer of Sam. But oh, 25th oh my hour. fucking god, dude! Oh, tw- tw- I love Twenty Fifth Hour. Dude, I watched that recently. That movie's great. It's all about this white guy, <laughs> and it 25th completely humanizes his character. I almost forgot that that was a fucking Spike Lee movie. That's that's that might be my favorite Spike Lee movie. I really yeah. fucking like that one. That movie's fucking incredible, and it's all about this guy who's just—he's I mean, totally an asshole. 
<laughs> oh yeah, definitely an asshole. <laughs> but you know, you see like what he's going through in his life, and did his uh, girlfriend rat him out, and how will that affect the way he acts, and this and the third. Uh, and then there's Summer of Sam. That was a was that good? Was that one good? Summer yeah, of Sam. Good. Summer of Sam. Huh? Huh? I was just gonna say Summer of Sam was during this uh, during this region or span of time when I was buying these Spike Lee movies. I bought Summer Sam mainly because I'm very fascinated in that whole Son of Sam thing anyway, and like the murder mm. mysteries and all that. That was... I was on the phone with Dylan. I'm gonna mention him two weeks in a row. And Dylan can attest because I've retold this story a few times. I was on the phone with him when he called, when he, when he called me when I was watching the movie. I was so mad and so frustrated that I ejected the DVD out of my DVD player and I threw it against a wall. Are you serious? I fucking hate that movie. Wait, why do you hate that movie? Oh, well, okay. There was the dog. That was kind of stupid. Hell! <laughs> no, besides that. The movie's Dude. fucking boring as shit and doesn't even have hardly anything to do with the fucking murder mystery. It's just these boring fucking couples and fucking John fucking Legazamo sucks in that movie. I, I think it was supposed to be like any of these people could have been the killer and the movie would have been a lot better if like they didn't give away who the killer was. I think like, it was just like how the whole murder thing, how would it affected this city yeah. or whatever. And I just couldn't fucking give less of a shit about any of the people in the movie. And I was just well, waiting what? for something to happen. So yeah, it was just I just got mad and I fucking I never even saw like the second half of it. Well, like so, who knows? Maybe movie, it picked up. Yeah, like the point of the movie could have been, you know, the uh, how the, uh, paranoia affects people, you know. And, and like I said, if they hadn't revealed who the fucking killer was, basically near the beginning of the movie, because you see the guy and he's like in the fucking you know room and the fucking dog. <laughs> you have to kill people. You have to kill people. Kill. I'm a dog. He's like, are you fucking serious right now? Like, and, and, and do you know who did the voice of the dog? Yeah. John Totoro. John <laughs> that, that's what you have John Totoro doing. Doing that horrible Pee Wee Herman voice for a dog. And it's like, he's not even... <laughs> fuck this. Okay, never mind. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Dude, and, he, and here you go. Budget, 22 million. Box office, 19. <laughs> One of the few that actually that took a loss. Dog. Kill. Yeah, yeah, you gotta kill your parents. <laughs> his, his, the dog's mouth looks so bad. Okay, so we were gonna talk about the Michael Jackson song, right? Which one? Uh, oh, sorry, this is what we were talking about, Michael Jackson. There's this one song, this is like an hour ago. Uh, Just about, this yeah. There's this one song that he did. Uh, you know, I'm usually down for the, I'm Michael Jackson and I'm making a serious song now songs, right? But there's one song that I always had a problem with. Now, Invincible is a dope ass fucking album that people forget about all the fucking time. See, uh, you, you caught a lot of flack, and I know you don't give a shit, but you caught a lot of flack <laughs> in the comments section over last week's episode of people telling you, that, saying that Invincible was shit. Did I say Invincible was shit? No, 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 they're saying that Invincible was shit, and, and they're, they're um, loudly disagreeing with you as if it matters. Oh, man, you, y'all hate us. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude. Uh, threatened, whatever happened, lost children, great tunes, fucking heaven can wait, 
Man, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> I oh, is that bad? No, no, no. I'm saying it's so good. Get the fuck out of my face. How can you hate on this? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. But, but. Oh, I'm even noticing the first track uh, features no uh, Notorious Big. <laughs> the Notorious Big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh, did you hear about the, the reason why he calls himself, like, Biggie Smalls, even though it technically is, like, signed commercial name is Notorious B.I.G. There was something about, like, there was another person actually named Biggie, like, oh. that actually had the name first, and so he couldn't technically use it, because since that person was also, like, a rapper, you know, oh. uh, yeah, we got, the, although, the funny thing is, nobody can tell me who the fuck that is, like, I couldn't find a song from this guy to save my life. Like, because I tried to look it up, and I find that really funny. It's like, I can't use this name because this other guy has it, but no one's going to know who the fuck this other guy is anyway. This is really, like, that's got to really piss you off, you know? Like, I'm leaving a bigger legacy than this guy, but I can't use this fucking name because <laughs> this asshole has it. <laughs> you know, there's another instance of that. Uh, the band Blink-182, when they originally started, they were just going by Blink, but there was another band called Blink, so they added the 182. No one can tell you fucking shit about Blink. <laughs> I, I'm going to try to find it now. Who The original Biggie Smalls. And the original I Big. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find this, because I remember trying to look it up before. I was just like, where the fuck is this? Uh, let me see. No, this is from the movie. The original Biggie Smalls, Calvin Lockhart, star of stage and screen, whose name of Biggie Smalls, it was in the 1975 film, Let's Do It Again. Yeah, but that's not... I thought there was, like, another rapper named Biggie Smalls. Yeah, the most I could find is... Uh, the other Biggie Smalls name was already in use. Okay, what about that guy? <laughs> like, it's already been in use by this guy who's not really using it anyway. <laughs> it feels like those people who buy domain names... Just to, oh, like, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, if you want it, uh, you know. It, or if someone beats you to a Twitter handle. Uh-huh. Let me see. Uh, later in the year, he gained exposure on... Let me see. He recorded under the pseudonym Notorious B.I.G. He recorded in the name for the remainder of his career after finding the original moniker Biggie Smalls was already in use. By who? <laughs> this guy just disappeared into the annals of time? <laughs> that really sucks, because I imagine it was probably like, you know, you really don't want to disrespect the guy because you don't know what he might do, you know? You don't know if there's, like, some possible rap beef, you know, someone's going to come after you, oh, which, yeah, I mean, yeah. ultimately happened anyway, but... <laughs> and to add to the confusion, to add to the confusion... There was apparently, like, one of those songs where Tupac made, like, a song where he was like, Peace to Big, or something like that, because there was, like, he was talking about that guy instead oh. of, like, yeah. Come on. Like, Dude, you did that shit on purpose. <laughs> yeah, you were just trying to confuse people. That's bullshit. <laughs> no, yeah. but uh, which, uh, which Michael Jackson song is bullshit? Okay, so, uh, and my mom's in the room now, so this is gonna... I, I don't know how she's going to feel about this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I forgot you one, were at home. <laughs> there's this one song on the Invincible album called Cry, right? Okay. 
you know, usually I'm like, when Michael Jackson makes the, like, really sad, let's all hold hands and sing this song together on the chorus thing, like, I'm usually with it. Like, I'm not gonna lie, you know. Mm. But it was just like, the moral of the song was weird. And it was just like, you can change the world. You can touch the sky. You're the chosen one if we all cry at the same time tonight. And just, <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen if we all cry at the same time. Like, what? How, how I, are you going to coordinate that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that's possible if we all happen to just be crying at the same time. We're all going to go to that same sad place and cry <laughs> in unison. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I just don't, it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> the marvelous Mike the dude says, let's all cry on three. <laughs> One, two. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm sorry. I start like, is it one, two, three cry or one, two, cry? <laughs> oh my god, alright, for the fifth time. It's one, two, three, cry. They made a music like, video for this song. Yeah, it was a whole bunch of people holding hands and shit. Are they crying at the same time? Uh, no, they're not, actually. Well. It, it would have worked if they would have. They can't even commit. Been, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's just like, it just felt like the, the resolution <sighs> was a little too, um, not going to do anything. Like, <laughs> if we all cry, we'll, uh, uh <laughs> like, I just don't understand how that was going to help. <laughs> like, oh, man. maybe if we all talk to each other or something like that and just just crying by itself i just i don't know you wouldn't believe it but comments have been disabled for this video <laughs> and then and then it's like I, I don't is he playing god in the final verse he's like when the flag blows there'll be no more wars and when all calls i will answer all your prayers like wait are you are you god <laughs> why will you answer all of our prayers Huh. And then, oh, now they're all dancing. And then the funny thing is, at like the tail end of the song, right? Uh-huh. It's just like, you can change the sky. I can't do it by myself. I'm gonna need some Cry with me. You listen to the song, he actually says it like that. And then it's just like, yeah, everything's gonna change if we all just cry at the same time, whatever the fuck. And then, you know, you hear the tonight, and boom, you hear the final thing. And then he just goes, change the world. Like, uh, <laughs> right before the song breaks out, just like, hey, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt boo, so corny, boo. like a last second, just change the world. <laughs> we'll all boo at the same time. <laughs> Hold on, I, I gotta hear this. Boo, <laughs> We we can get him off the stage. I can't do it by myself. <laughs> Hold on, I, I gotta hear how this fucking song. I need to hear his. <laughs> like he's like he's trying to get out of a seatbelt that won't like unlock. Like no, I got totally the one. sound. Like he's fucking um um uh like he's Joe Pesci in Home Alone. <laughs> Oh, you mother fresh and they both had their headset on fire, so how about that? Oh. 
Was that one of the pranks Macaulay Culkin pr played on the fucking set of the black and white music video of Michael Jackson? He fucking had the, the, the blowtorch set in a doorway. Yeah, that's fucked up, yo. They have a lot in common, dude. It's all I'm saying. Change the world. Uh. <laughs> it's so corny. Just, that uh. is so incredibly lame. That did not need to be there. Boo. <laughs> Can't cry on demand. No! Yeah, that really is demanding a lot. Man, we, we have got to. Got to, got to. Because we have been putting it off for way too long. I was not expecting us to be going on this long. I honestly legit was just like, oh, I don't have anything to say. Or we're just going to talk about the album this week. And then you fucking brought up Spike Lee. <laughs> Yeah, this is the second week in a row, because last week we were going to start with J. Cole, and then we just started talking about more interesting things. <laughs> and then I completely forgot. No, I'm saying we've been putting this off for weeks, not even just today. Yeah. This fucking album came out weeks ago, and we're just now getting around to it. So, uh, if, you, if you haven't guessed already, if you aren't aware, we're talking about Awaken My Love, the third studio album by Childish Gambino, which is... Which is weird. Um, I gotta say something, and this is a this is a callback to all the old school offgoers because this is something I haven't said on this show since man, since probably the first year. Okay, I didn't listen to the whole album. <laughs> no, I couldn't do it. No, <laughs> it's so fucking bad. Oh, okay, okay, we're gonna have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this album is so bad! Uh-uh, no. No way, no. come on! Oh my god. Stop yeah. it! You did no. not enjoy this album. Uh, yo, alright, you say yo shit. <laughs> Dude, I have barely anything to say! What I, I'm, I'm gonna quote you, okay? Because it's a term that you created during our uh, live going off podcast when you said that Charlie Puth has a way of making you just want to listen to, you know, an original whatever. This just made me want to listen to good funk shit because I felt like I was wasting my time. Like, wow. this isn't memorable. This wasn't impressive in any way to me. This felt like and I have, a, I have such a weird, conflicting feeling because as the podcast who was known in the early goings for not being able to go a week without talking about Childish Gambino, I am two for two giving shit reviews for Childish Gambino releases. Because the, the, this album reminded me a lot of uh, Stone Mountain in the way of... It's clearly something he just really wanted to do. Like I said last week, it feels like a passion project, and I'm not taking that away from him. But it's just not for me, dude. Like, I... I ugh, it, it was a chore for me to get through this. Like, I listened to two, three tracks at a time, I had to take a break. I had to listen to other shit, because I was not having fun. It's... This isn't, this is not his thing, dude. Like, Gambino is really impressive, he's a really great artist. This shit just did not fucking do it for me. Like, some of these songs are just boring, 
they don't go anywhere. Like, the instrumentation's cool, the production is really good, like, it sounds great, but just, just some of these fucking songs, like, six plus minutes of just, like, ah, uh, alright. There was maybe one song on here that I thought I, that I thought was cool, and even then it was only, like, a half of it. Which one? I don't even remember. These fucking bled together. I couldn't tell you one from the other. Um, I think it might have been... Oh, Jesus. Uh, I think it might have been Redbone? Maybe? Hmm. Dude, for, for real, like, two and a half for me. Wow. I, I hated it. I fucking oh, hated it. Okay, so... Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Have so, at it. Uh, so, going into this album, uh, when I heard, the, I heard the Me and Yo Mama first, <clears throat> then I heard the Red Bone, and I was like, okay, so he's gonna do Parliament. Like, and listening to this album, he's playing dress-up in a way, right? Yeah, that's basically what it is in this music. It's like, hey, I really like Parliament, and I wanted to make a Parliament album, right? Mm. And and that's when I get through his voice, and like, it feels more like he's doing a a voice acting thing because you know each song he's doing like a different weird voice, and California is the worst of them. You want to go to California? yeah. And I like it feels like someone who heard the parliament albums and wanted to do each individual voice you know that you heard from them <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and so like through that it kind of makes this album derivative in a way and i hate that um because you know like i i feel what he was doing he was trying to do like hey kendrick lamar did the funk thing so i'm gonna kind of do it too but the difference was he did a fusion of things and that that's what made the that's what gave it a different sort of energy. Like it wasn't just derivative. He's just doing P funk again. It was he's doing P uh, he's doing P funk with hip hop with jazz and all these elements. It expounded upon. I mean, it, it expanded upon the genre. This feels like he's more playing in the waters of a past genre, right? That being said. I really like Parliament. <laughs> mm. And, you know, I'm kind of fiending for new music from them. <laughs> and so, like, if you like Parliament, like I do, I think you will fully enjoy this. I think every song you're going to be like, but that sounds like this, but that sounds like this, but that sounds like this. But I think if you're just someone who's like, but in... And that sounds like this, but in 2016, if you're someone who just wants more music, but to have it sound more current, like, I love the idea that this could bring people back to Parliament. Because, like, mm. like I said, I fucking love Parliament. They're, they're one of the greatest bands ever. Uh, Parliament and Funkadelic. And I just love the idea, I think, of this being a transition, uh, uh, not a transition, but uh, a sort of gateway music for people in a new generation to sort of go back to that. Um, interestingly enough, I played this music, like, uh, I was over at a friend's house. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, I played this album mixed with Parliament songs mm -hmm. to see if he could tell the difference. <laughs> and whenever it was Parliament, he knew it was Parliament. 
But whatever it was, Gambino, he wasn't sure. <laughs> so, so I was like, huh? I mean, I'm just going to ask you, and I, 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 I'm seriously asking this. So, as a Parliament fan, you were listening to this album, and it reminded you of Parliament. At any point, did it just feel like, like, kind of cheap? Like, this is like Parliament, but I'd kind of just rather listen to Parliament? Or did this kind of temporarily, so to speak, fill the void for, for wanting new Parliament? Like, was this sufficient in if this was like, this is Parliament now, and not even like in the context of this is the new Gambino album, like, would this satiate your appetite or what it or would it feel like man this was good but i'd rather just listen to what was already available uh i i the, i think it's more the second thing you said where it's just like i if you love parliament you just gotta hear more you're never gonna be fully convinced that this is the new generation of p-funk but it i feel like this album really breathes and is alive mm. um I feel like it goes to a lot of different places. I, I didn't feel like it was complacent. Um, at first, I didn't like the Me and Your Mama, but the more I listened to it, the, the more I wish it would have gone on longer. Like, for me, P-Funk is something that just continues to groove. A lot of their songs are, like, six to nine minutes. Yeah. And that's what... I actually wanted these to be longer. I wanted there to be less of them, and I wanted it to be each individual song to be longer. Uh, like for instance, Riot was two fucking minutes and you could hear the fade out and it was just like, um, there's obviously more that needs to happen. Why did you stop? Um, meanwhile, I feel like the me and your mom of the first part could have been cut a little shorter. Cause like, it, it was like after the first minute, I kind of felt like, okay, I feel like we should be saying some different l lyrics now. Like mm. these lyrics aren't that catchy. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, but the let me into your heart, dude, that was fucking explosive. Like, especially with the time signature change, the let me do, 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 and then the, do, uh, wait, it was like, uh, do, 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 in, do, ya, and then the three, four, and then it was just like, uh, let, like, it's just the amping up of it, and then the release was really cool to me. So, I don't know, I, I, I enjoyed, uh, most of me and your mama. Uh, and then Have Some Love kind of felt a little... That one was the one that felt the most kind of derivative, where it was just like, I'm just doing everything is on the one, you know? Or the blow the roof off the mother sucker, you know what I mean? Mm. With the, the 80 people singing on the chorus thing. That was the one I felt was the most derivative. Um, but Boogeyman was where it shined the most. See... I consider Childish Gambino to be a really intelligent dude, right? So I felt like if he was going to come with these sort of songs, he's going to do it, but in a way that brings like a new sort of message or a new sort of flair to it. And Boogeyman was, I, I felt, the smartest uh, uh, of those iterations because it's about being perceived as evil, you know, just because you're uh, of a certain, you know, background or race because of black, you know. <laughs> And so it's just like, you know, you think I'm the boogeyman that I'm going to uh, kill you. But, you know, like you want to kill me because of that. You know, the, who's the real monster? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like that was the, the at, that was Childish Gambino and P-Funk at its smartest moment. That was where it was 
It was crazy and fun, but it still has a message at the end of it. Um, Zombies was kind of cool. It was in the same way of like, you know, just a general message of like, people are not really thinking anymore and they want to get you and, but not in a way that they want to kill you. They want to profit off of you and make you just someone who's going to regurgitate the same shit. Like I like music that can kind of say that, uh, have a fun feel and still have like a message. If you look back at the lyrics, you know, um, once again, Riot could have gone to more places. I felt like there, I felt like there was like a whole fucking orchestral part that could have happened. It just didn't. And it didn't really go anywhere with that one. Uh, Redbone, I thought I wasn't going to like, uh, I'm not going to lie. I think I wasn't going to like it just off of the title. Just like, dude, like, are we still doing the whole, like, oh, a girl who's light skinned is more attractive than a dark skinned girl. Like, like, we off that shit. Um, but listening to it, I was just like, damn it. I like it. (laughs) And I, I, he didn't make like a thing about it. You know, it's not like the song was about, Ooh, I love your light skin so much. You know, like I thought it was going to be more like that. And I was going to be like, "Uh, I don't need to hear this shit. Um, but, uh, the, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. This was the first song. I think that really sounded like childish Gambino does funk in the year 2016. Um, every, uh, most of everything else, like I said, though I enjoyed it, it still felt like he was putting on, uh, he, he was being a P-Funk cover band, you know what I mean? And, like I said, I still like that, but <laughs> I, I felt like it, it, the beats by themselves were not lacking enough. Yeah, I can't even call them beats, the fucking grooves were, were consistent enough where they fit, but I feel like his, um, his delivery felt slightly derivative at a lot of points, except for Redbone. And I know that was supposed to be going for a Prince feel, but I, I still felt like it was still, the, the voice was so uniquely him that I could have gone for more of that, honestly. Um, every song felt like he was trying out different voices to see what fit, but I felt like, like, this was like, okay, this could be your voice. You could just do this. Like, just do this, dude. You know what I mean? Um, so, and, and I, I wasn't 100% sure, but it was about, it was just like, guys are creeping, but we're going to be together and dudes might kill you, but stay woke. I, the most important thing for this one was the groove. Like, honestly, <laughs> like the groove is so tight. Like, dude, it don't matter what it's about. Like, for real, like, let's be real. <laughs> you know, it, it has, it has what parliament basically, you know, kind of has as like these catchphrases that really grab you and pull you in. Like the, the stay woke. like that pulls you you know what i mean like that's a big phrase now and he used it in a perfect way that didn't feel forced you know what i mean so yeah like i felt like it it kind of works in that way like i would love it if he had a couple of hits off of this album and this led to you know this continued the resurgence of sort of funk in a way he's like he's not you know he's not an agent of the funk he's not uh uh, 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 necessarily a, an originator of the funk. He's he's a he's a godson of the funk in the way. <laughs> yeah, he's a student of the funk. You know what I mean? Uh, he hasn't really gotten the the blessings of the master. You know, like, but it's like, eh, but Redbone kind of felt like it was going to that potential. Then fucking California comes in. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Like, that song felt like a B-side, where it's like, he's just, like, starting to work on the songs, and he's trying to figure out where his voice is, like, 
It's like, are you trying to be like Jamaican? Is, is someone supposed to be strangling you? Like, what? Like, what the fuck is happening in this song? So, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, like, the song cuts off really fast. Like, he's ashamed of it. Like, he was just like, uh, sorry, I put you through that. Anyway, let's get back to the good stuff. <laughs> and you know, then you have Baby Boy, which is really beautiful. The song about his son. Like, I felt like there was supposed to be more of a narrative with this. Like, it was supposed to be like, I'm having a child, but then. You know, I'm seeing all this horrible shit that's happening around me, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring this child up in this world. You know, that could have been a thing, but I felt like Baby Boy should have been the, 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 the sort of, like, not necessarily the linchpin, but just, like, the point where that all came together. And it became more about, don't take my baby away from me, girl who's breaking up with me. And I don't know, I, maybe he was in Terrified, but I don't really remember that being, like, a key point where he was afraid of, like, his girlfriend leaving him. Um, let me see. I, I, wait, I think there might have been something about that. Uh, but I thought uh, the bigger point would have been, you know, raising a child in this society that's fucking crazy and shit. Like, you know, like, I'm gonna try to make things better for you, but I don't know if I can. That would have been a bigger point to play up than, oh, my baby mom is crazy, you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm gonna eat you alive. Please don't find. Me. And that, also, that was kind of a good line. I'm gonna eat you alive. Please don't find me rude. But I don't eat fast food, so don't run from me. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was kind of cute. Um, but yeah, and then and then there was the the night me and your mama met, which was just like an instrumental. It was that one was fucking beautiful. Did you hear that one? I think that was the last one. I I only think I missed the last one. Uh, Stand Tall was the last one. Yeah, I think that might have been the only one that I'd missed. Okay. But yeah, The Night Me and Your Mama, that was a beautiful tune. It was really nice. And it was just like, it, it reminded me, uh, doesn't exactly take the place, but it reminded me of the, um, the Funkadelic track, which was just the instrumental uh, playing the um, guitar. Oh, what was it about it? One where he's like, that's supposed to be about if his mom died. Like where George Clinton told him to play the guitar like his mom had died. Oh, and, and I then, have no and idea. End, yeah, and then at the end, like, you find out that she's really still alive and, you know, how it changes stuff. I felt like it was kind of like in that vein. It was really beautiful sort of instrumental. Then you get Stand Tall, um, which was sort of just sort of blasted through different venues, but... I just enjoyed it. Like, I just sat back and I just let it, you know, take me over. And it was the first song that was in his real, real voice. And it was like, I, I don't have that distraction of being like, okay, this sounds like someone else. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, vocally, like, California can go to hell. But I really would have appreciated it if he would, if he's going to do the voice, should have stuck with more of the red bone thing or do your own voice like in Stand Tall, which was really, you know, really cool. Um, but yeah, I understand how people could consider it sort of, uh, you know, if you're if you're a uh, fellow student of the funk, you might be like, what well, do we don't need this? You know, we already got, you know, such and such. And and it probably doesn't help that red bone kind of does sound like uh, like it, it is the most literal derivative sounding uh, piece since it sounds like uh what was the name of that joint that uh i want to be with you yeah you remember that one the wow 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 the um 
<laughs> this is how I'm going to get you to remember this. When we reviewed N.W.A.'s second album, uh, uh, and the one with the easy E, I want to fuck you. Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, originally the Bootsy song is called I'd Rather Be With You, and it has that bum 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 and I was just like, as soon as I heard that, I was just like, oh, well, you just, like, don't directly sample it, that's, you know what I mean, like, you don't want to, do you really want to draw the comparison that close, you know, and then for that to be like, you know, one of the big singles is just kind of like, ooh, that might rub some people the wrong way, you know what I mean? See, I think that very well might be the big difference uh, in how we perceived the album is that I've never been big on Parliament or uh, or Funkadelic. Like, I can casually appreciate what they're putting down, but I could never just sit through an entire album of that because it's just not so much my thing, which is exactly how I took in uh, this album. I appreciate what he's doing, I just didn't, it didn't really stick. It didn't really uh, hit hard with me. What I think I would have appreciated, and you know, whatever, but like, um, remember how like the Beastie Boys were in the 90s? You know, after License to Ill, after Paul's Boutique, either on Ill Communication or Check Your Head, where every couple songs there was like a punk song? Yeah. Like, out of fucking nowhere, it was, like, three rap songs, and there's a rock song out of nowhere. If uh-huh. if songs like these were sprinkled throughout a typical uh, Gambino hip-hop album, I don't think I would have minded so much. But a full album of it was just, like, beating me over the head, and I was just... it was It's not something I was in the right headspace for. And because it isn't really my thing, I don't know if I could be in the right headspace for it. Um, I just don't know if I was convinced uh, by Gambino. Like, like we had said earlier, he's a student of it. You can tell he's definitely uh, drawn some inspirations and influences. But I just don't know if like this is really the thing for him. Um... Like, like there were points that he did very well, but, you know, I, I can't see this being his new thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't he, think he's, he's going to be synonymous. Yeah. yeah, he's not going to be synonymous with this style. Like, people are going to go back to camp. They're going to go back to because of the internet. There will be people. This album will have a cult following, <laughs> no doubt. There definitely will be. It'll have its following. It'll have its audience. Um, people will be like, man, I'm really holding out hope for that, you know, follow up that that spiritual successor to uh, to awaken my love. But I, I personally am hoping that this is just kind of like a, uh, you know, a slight detour. I don't know. I don't know if we're even going to get a third um, traditional uh, Gambino album, because I don't know what it even wants to do these days, if he even wants to put out a uh a straightforward hip-hop album, or if he just wants to try out different shit. I know he's got the show. I know he's got this. Like, he, he's he's spreading himself out pretty thin doing all these other things he wants to do, so, you know, whatever. If it doesn't come to fruition, you know, that's whatever. I can still have those first two to listen to. I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to cry with everyone at the same time and hope for a new one. Um, <laughs> if we but, all just cry at the same time, Childish Gambino will give us a rap album. 
change the world. But um, <laughs> change yeah. Gambino. <laughs> change Gambino. But uh, yeah, that's why uh, I personally would go two and a half, three at the most because I because he did it well enough. But I think at the end of the day, if I could find what he was trying to do done better. And I don't think there were anything on this album that to me stuck, stuck out or stood out to be like, wow, he did that one thing really well. It was all just kind of like impressions. Like you said earlier, like he, like he was trying to do, to do a voice almost like, yeah. like a character. It never really felt like this could be his new thing. Mm. Um, and also like the like the album cover, right? Like I, I love the I album saw. cover. Uh, it, the funny thing is, immediately when I saw it, I was just like, "Hey, that kind of looks like <laughs> the fuck." You know exactly what I'm about to say, right? No. The the maggot brain album cover. Oh yeah, a little bit. I can see that. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that's what he took inspiration from. But it was just like it. It sort of felt like uh a clue as to what he was trying to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Just sort of like the, no, I literally like make no mistake. I'm just trying to make their music again. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, and that's cool, but I don't know. You, you think you want to make yourself stand out enough so that that wouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like as an artist, you do sure you can draw elements from something but i don't think you want to be directly derivative of it that's the picture i'm talking about oh yeah like if you want to remind people of parliament that's great but yeah you don't want to have those direct connections made yeah and i'll put it to you like this parliament used to be a doo-wop group right they were doing what everyone else was doing but then they switched up and created a whole new style now what he's doing is he was doing hip hop. Hey, that's what everyone else is doing. And he wanted to switch up and do a whole new style to this era, but to a past era, it's already been done before. So you're not really following in the vein of them, in the vein of what their reality was, which is that they were doing something starkly different. You're doing something that's still familiar in a way, you know? And that's what I kind of, like, though I appreciate it, I kind of don't like that it's just like, yeah, it's different if you'd never heard it before, but if you have, it kind of feels derivative. And I wish he would have gone further in what he was trying to do. And then, like, like if this ha had been the first draft, you know what I mean? Um, in fact, I kind of I did something similar. A long time ago, I sampled a whole bunch of Gorilla songs, and I made an album with them, but then I was like, Hey, you know, someone was like, hey, you should try to do it without samples because, you know, you don't want your uh, music to be directly, you want, yeah, sure, you can take influence from things, but you don't want, you know, your music to be a footnote of someone else's music. You know what I mean? And so it was like, so I kind of, I, I kind of scrapped it and made, you know, completely new music. Of course, you guys will never hear that album because it fucking sucked. But the point was, <laughs> the point that I took away from that was that like, it's cool to be influenced, but don't be trapped by your influences. And I kind of felt like there were still elements where he was kind of trapped by it. And I want to see him flourish and, and truly uh, live out the, 
the principle, the letter, uh, not the letter of, of uh, what made them influential, which was just their style, but the, the spirit of their, uh, of Prince and, and Parliament, the, the spirit of what they brought to the game when they decided to do a different style of music. You know what I mean? Not just like it, the answer wasn't to just make funk music. The answer was to do something that people hadn't done before, which which to their generation was funk music. But that doesn't have to be that for our generation. It could be something else. And I personally feel like part of that is in hip hop because that is our funk music. That is our new thing. You know what I mean? That is our departure from what the old was, you know? So. I don't know. Personally, I would really love to see him go back to hip hop. I would love to see that spark happen again. Um, but for this as a parliament head, dude, I still dig it. Like, I, I can't lie. I still dig it. But like, like as someone who wants new parliament music, I love it. But as someone who wants new Childish Gambino, I'm just like, is this everything you got? Like, I, I would have loved it if this was like a companion piece to something. You know what I mean? Like, Here's the funkier side of me, and here's like he kind of did with the with the other album. It's like, yo, I still got raps, but there is this other thing that I also want to do as well. And it's like, hey, that's cool, that's your passion project. But like, mom, man, I know you've got like that ill shit in you, and I know that you're a smarter MC, and I know that you can lead our current generation of music into a different place instead of regressing them. And I know there's a lot of great elements from that that we shouldn't, you know, take away from, and that's why we have. I mean, uh, you know, fucking to pimp a butterfly. That's where we have great music like Digital Underground. But I think it's good to take elements from them, but not to completely, you know, try to replicate it. And I feel like that's what a lot of people who may be into Parliament may take from this and be like, "Oh, shit, there's a lot of fucking funk Parliament music." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like we're not lacking for a wanting of funk uh, of. Parliament Funkadelic, like, we can go find that stuff. It's not like there was only one album, you know. So, uh, but, hey, as a great, like, sort of lead-in for people, I'd say it's good. Um, but, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, it's not about whether or not he is progressing as an artist. It's about whether or not, at the end of the day, it's a good album. So, um, for me, at the end of the day, of course, I'm going to be tainted by uh, the things that I like and things like that. Um, so all I can tell you is that it, I give it a 4.5 out of 5 because I really enjoyed a lot of it. I mean, California can burn in hell. Not literal California. This is fucking song. But <laughs> um, but everything else feels like it's in its place and everything else feels like it could have done more. Uh, not just stylistically, but also just, um, you know, just expansively uh and i felt like i i started to get that on stand tall i started to feel like he was going into this weirder direction but it felt like the rest of the album was when he was still being influenced by parliament and stand tall when he was was when he was starting to feel like there was a different direction he could have gone into but we didn't have time because we already recorded all these other songs <laughs> and we got to release those now like i understand you were trying to make this other album that you're kind of feeling now but uh we kind of got to we kind of got a schedule to keep, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you love the funk, you're going to love this. Uh, but if you want to hear, like, him going in a new direction, I, I mean, relative to his other albums, it is a new direction. But I kind of liked what he was doing on the uh, the other album. The, um, when he was doing the pop songs. But that were oh, kind of sounding uh, like they were going in a, a different direction, the Kawhi. 
Kawhi, yeah. Yeah, it's like I wanted to see him sort of expand into that, and and I wanted to see the elements of because the weirder elements of because of the internet sort of like fuse into that, and if that would make its own new unique thing, that would be dope. But I kind of feel like this might be a bit of a step backwards artistically, but as far as enjoying it, I feel like I feel like I can enjoy it all the way through minus track seven, you know. Yeah, I, I recently went back and listened to Kawhi again since our review because that was my god like two fuck years ago at this point. Um, and I definitely have a more more of an appreciation now than I did at the time. Still, don't really exactly have one for Stone Mountain. Yeah, <laughs> there's one too many wag fucking joints on that one. I know what he was going for, you know. And it's just again, it just wasn't for just, me. Like, dude, you're harder. Like, you can make better music than this, and I know you can. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's he's an unpredictable dude. I remember there was that story. Uh, a year ago or whatever where he was at that nightclub and it was like in it was in Europe I want to say and people got mad at him because he showed up to the show with the royalty click oh no it was supposed to be a royalty show but the show uh the show promoter said it was gonna be him featuring royalty oh okay so so, so that was got- just a miscommunication yeah 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 and he only, like, rapped a couple verses, and for the most part, he was just, like, sort of chilling on the sidelines. We were like, what the fuck? Mm. Um, although, I, I don't know. I feel like if, like, dude, don't act like you don't know that you're the most popular guy in this group. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like, you think it'd be, like, on some Michael Jackson shit? <laughs> it's like, yeah, the Jackson 5 are there, but, yeah, come on. <laughs> oh, fucking Michael Jackson's just sitting on the side. No, he's just gonna let Tito have this one. <laughs> like are you like no one's looking at Jermaine dude they're all looking over at you fucking scrolling through your phone being like oh no 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 I, I was just waiting for my point no I, I, I want to be rude <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no I mean this fucking his fucking solo I think he kills it Michael no here for you dumbass no but um like I said I have a lot of respect for the dude and and I do have respect for whatever he puts out, even if it isn't exactly my thing. So I can't hate on it too much. Um, more than likely, we'll go back and listen to it periodically, maybe not in in its entirety, just like song by song here and there. Because um, I think I really think that's what killed it for me was that it was way too much, even though it was only fifty minutes or so. But like a whole thing of just that for me was a bit of overkill. But if it was sprinkled out throughout other things, maybe like a do that Spotify like this is Gambino playlist where like it's all of his shit, just hit randomize or whatever. And every so often you get a song from this, and it's like oh yeah, and maybe on its own, you know, I might have a different appreciation for it, but. You know, it's whatever. They can they can't all be fucking because of the internet, which I still holds in such in such regard. But uh, with that said, folks, uh, thank you very much for checking us out. Thank you very much to Marvelous Mike sitting in on the recording session this week. Check out all our past episodes if this is the first episode uh, you've checked out, and uh, tell your friends if you liked it. We could always use some more offgoers checking us out, spreading the word around. All that good stuff. For the Going Off Podcast for this week, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. All Vita Zane. Zane.